40, verses 28 and 29. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 29. <clears throat> You'll have to bear with me. I don't know if it was getting in that attic that's got me all messed up today or what's going on, but I am not feeling the greatest. God can help me. <clears throat> Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 29. The Bible says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the world, the earth, fainteth not neither is weary. <clears throat> there is no searching of his understanding. In verse 29, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. He gives power to the faint and to him, to them that have no might, he increases strength. I'm going to talk to us this morning from this simple subject, the second wind. The second wind. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Lord, we love you. My God, I thank you for your grace and mercy this morning. God, I thank you for the touch of heaven I feel today. Lord, I need your strength today to say what you want to be said today. Lord, I want to encourage somebody, God, through the Holy Ghost, God, to leave this place to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost like never before. God, I pray this morning that you would allow us to walk wholeheartedly in your presence today. Lord, responding to the call of the Holy Ghost this day, we magnify you, Jesus. Can we praise him this morning? We magnify you, Jesus. We glorify your holy name today. You are wonderful and holy. You are righteous and mighty. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. As a young man, one of my favorite things to do was I enjoyed, I enjoyed running. I just like to go running. I would run for miles. And it was all because of a gym teacher that I had in, in ele not elementary school, in, in my, in my uh, high school classes. We had a, a guy come in. He was in the Army. He came into our, uh, our school that we had there in Olathe at the church. We had just a kind of a homeschool co-op and Volunteers would come in and they would work with us as kids. And this man had come out of the army and he, uh, for us in the high school, he, he would work with us on a regular basis. And he would push us and he would, and man, I hated him some days. I hated him so much some days. And I'd get upset because I was all in my feelings because I was, I was pushing hard. But after it was all said and done, I, I would always go to him and say, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to get upset with you. I know you're just trying to help me be better. And 
you know. But there was a day. I loved to run, but I had never run and pushed myself super, super hard. And I remember the first time that this ever happened. <clears throat> we had been running. I think it was the first five miles that I've ever ran consistently. And we ran that day. And I was about three quarters of the way back to the church. And I felt like I was about to fall over. And he was right beside me. He saw me slow down. And he said, don't slow down. Go, go, go faster. Come on, pick up the pace. And he kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And as I was running, all of a sudden, I felt something that I'd never felt before. And it felt like I could run 50 miles. Now, I promise you it's been a long time since I pushed myself that hard. They call that, I asked him when I got back, I said, man, after, after that happened, I had no problem. I could keep up with him. We made it back to the church, and I was like, I'm good. I'm not exhausted. I'm, I'm good. And he began to explain to me. He said, that's what we call the second wind. You push yourself far enough that something within your body kicks in and helps push. He said it, it may have something to do with adrenaline. I don't know. I didn't really study it a whole lot. But just what he told me was there's something within your body. There's a chemical makeup that just when you push yourself so far, your body kicks in and starts helping a little bit more. And then I began, I did, I did do this, and he told me, he, he told me, he said, go look up a horse and its second wind. He said, you know, they talk about horses running for miles and miles and miles and miles. They push them horses, and they push them horses, and they would run and run and run. And, and he said, you know, those horses would get their second wind at some point in time. And he said, I've read of where, where, Horses or, or horse riders have talked about how that it felt like their horse was about to stumble and give out from under them, and all of a sudden, they skipped a trot. And the next thing he knew that the rider would know is, as they're running the 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 loop in the horse race, that as the horse would would skip the trot, they knew at that moment that horse was about to get faster, and that horse was going to push even harder. Because he just got his second win. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomena that occurs regularly with runners, human and horses alike. Uh, it, it was it was a phenomena that I, I really don't understand the ins and outs of, and I'm not going to stand here and try to explain it all to you because that's not the purpose of my message. But what I want you to understand, if you've never experienced it before, you're probably saying, well, "What in the world are you talking about? You sound..." crazy. Let me tell you something. It's a real thing. And it happens. And sometimes um, if they stop just before it, in fact, for some runners, it's just as addictive as cocaine. Um, they run and they run and they run. They run every day until they can hit that high of that second wind because it is just exhilarating. It is. It, it makes you feel great. And uh, 
I will tell you, at the end of the day, you don't feel like you're about to fall over. You feel like you're about to die until you hit that second wind. And then you got everything that you need to keep pressing on and make it to the finish line. I say all that because I begin to think about life's circumstances. And this, this doesn't have to just be with people in the church. I'm talking about people that have the Holy Ghost, people that don't have the Holy Ghost. Life gets overwhelming. Why do you think suicides are at an all-time high right now? Because people, they don't know where to find their second wind. Thank God I have the source of the second wind living on the inside of me. His name is Jesus Christ. And he gives me strength and he gives me the power to press on even if life keeps beating me down day after day after day. And I'm not just going to harp on this this morning. I just, I want you to understand, I don't care how impossible life seems, that there is a source that you can tap into that can help you pick yourself back up and continue moving on in your situation. Well, I've, I've got the Holy Ghost, Pastor. I, I, know that, I know that I can reach out to the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, is digging in and finding a new place in the Spirit of God. God, sometimes God allows us to stay in a rut for so long, amen, because he wants you to get sick and tired of being in that rut. And you're going to have to begin to figure out, all right, God, I know the only way out of this thing is your help. But God, I've got to get closer to you than I have ever in my entire life. I need something that I've never had before. And I know that it only comes from you. It only comes from you. We get to a point that when we think we can't make it another second. But if we just press on just a little bit longer, Sister Rini, I know that I can tap into the second wind that God has for my life. Unlike a natural second wind, we know where our spiritual second wind comes from. I don't know the phenomena that occurs in our bodies that causes this, this, this phenomena of second wind, but I do know, spiritually speaking, when I'm running this race of life, and I'm pressing on and I'm digging deep and I can find myself so worn out that the next thing I know, hey, I'm reaching out to the Father and say, here I am, Jesus. Uh, help me. I need your strength today. Amen. It comes from God and God alone. As I began to think about this phenomena spiritually and physically, I began to think of some things that transpired in the, in the scriptures. The Bible shows us time and time again where people were facing situations that in some, time, some of these situations, some of us would probably just say, it's not worth it anymore. I'm done. I think about, I think about David David was out and he was helping other armies defeat uh, their enemies and he was sent back home one day and he was heading back to Ziklag and as they were heading to Ziklag in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, you'll find where that David as he and his men crested the, the mountain there heading back home, they could see smoke billowing into the sky 
and they begin to get closer and they begin to realize, hey, the enemy has been here. The Amalekites have been here and they have destroyed our home. They have taken our wives. They have taken our children and our animals. Amen. They've taken everything that we're worth. Amen. And, and we have no idea where they have gone. Amen. And so they go back. And the Bible says that they began to weep with a great uh, with a great tumult, uh, they begin to cry and they begin to uh, uh, be worked up. Obviously, if you had just lost your entire family in an instant, you lost your home in an instant. Come on, you can't tell me that it wouldn't tear you to pieces. Amen. David and all of his men, they began, they began to weep together. Amen. And they began to weep so hard that the Bible says they could not weep anymore. Amen. And when they could not weep anymore, then they began to look at each other and say, hey, you know what? We need to stone David because he took us all away from the house and left our wives and kids without any protection. And they decided, you know what? I think uh, that we should go and take out David. And David began to hear the rumblings and he began to hear the, the, the murmurings amongst the men. And the Bible says, I believe it's around verse number six, that the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I've heard some people say he encouraged himself and after he received, after he called for the ephod. But Brother Mendez, if you read in verse seven, what's verse seven say? Right, so my question is, does seven come after six? So if seven comes after six, then David had to find a source of strength in his worship. He had to encourage himself, how? In the Lord, in verse six. And then in verse seven, because he had been encouraged in the Lord, he was able to grab hold of faith and approach the throne of God in verse 7 and ask the Lord, Okay, God, is it your will that we pursue and, and, and overtake those that have come and taken our loved ones? David learned the importance of encouraging himself in the Lord. On the backside of the mountain while he was watching his dad's sheep, he perfected praise there. He worked there all by himself. He didn't have people he didn't have people saying, "Hey, you have to worship. You have to lift up your voice and praise. You need to pray, David." No, something got down in the heart of David and he began to seek the heart of God. Amen. And so much so that 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 the scriptures tell us that David was a man after God's own heart. David was there. David had lost everything, his wives, his children, his, his livestock, and even he had lost the trust of his men, and, and he had lost his home, and he still found a place where he could worship God down deep in his heart. I think about Jesus, the night before, uh, the night of his betrayal, we find him in the garden 
as a man, he's beginning to realize, hey, maybe I shouldn't say beginning, he's realizing the, 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 the time is, is setting in and he's, he's seeking the face of God. As a man, he had to reach out to the spirit that was indwelling him saying, hey, I need your strength. And Jesus cried out and he said, hey, hey, if it be your will, take this cup from me. What was he talking about? He was talking about the death that he was about to endure. Amen. I also believe, if I've done some study around this, I believe, Sister Rini, that he was looking inside a cup. Amen. Can you imagine I'm not trying to be absolutely gross here, but I want you to understand the way that Jesus sees and, and, and under, perceives sin. I want you to consider with me, the apostle Peter, he, he, he described a man who had been freed from sin and who returned back to sin just like a dog, a man who has vomited and returns back to the vomit and eats that. That's how Peter depicted it. And there's a couple other places in the scripture that kind of depict it in that same fashion. And so if you can, if you can with me somehow depict in your get in your mind, I want you to understand when Jesus was looking in this cup that he was talking about, I don't believe it was just the death that he was scared of. He knew that was his destination. He knew he had to get there, Veronica. But I believe that something inside of him realized, I'm not just dying, but something has to come upon me. You know what that something was? The Bible said that all the sins of the entire world had to be placed upon Jesus Christ as he became the perfect sacrifice. You with me today? And so if you will allow me, per se, Jesus was in the garden knowing about the cup he's about to partake of. And can you imagine looking in a cup full of disgustingness? Can I just say vomit? And he's about to have to drink this. It's sin. Let me ask you something. Every, let me help you understand something. Every time you go back to a sin that God has, God has delivered you from, honey, you're going over and you're, you're picking up a cup of vomit and you're drinking that right back down. Disgusting, isn't it? Let me ask you, physically, would you do something like that? Why would we do it spiritually? I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to help you come to some realization of sin is a nasty business. And we need to see sin like Jesus saw sin. I don't believe for an instant that Jesus was begging God to, to keep him from going to the cross. What I believe he was asking the Lord was, hey, don't make me drink the sins of this world. Please, I've never partaken of sin. And I don't want to take sin upon me. 
but he had to do that very thing in order to pay the price that you and I owe for the sins that we have committed. you got to understand, Jesus was not being sacrificed just for past sins and not just for the sins of that day, but he was being crucified and, and taken upon himself all of the sins from that moment even all the way into eternity. When we go to see Jesus, past, present, and future, he had to take on all the sins of the world. All the sins that Hitler committed, Jesus died for those sins. I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down today. But somehow, in the midst of that trial and in that moment that Jesus was saying, God, I don't want to drink of this cup. In the same sentence, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And when he was upon the cross, he was able to look out across the, the, the people that were there. And he was able to cry out, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they He was able to reach out in compassion because he tapped into the source of second wind. And he was able to pursue and go through it. In all of that, and I'm going to come to a close in just a few moments. All of this came to my mind yesterday. Brother Mendez is just going to have to ride with me for a little bit. My dad was here helping us work yesterday. I don't like sheetrock work. I'm not a sheetrock finisher. My dad is. So you know what? Brother Tuffy and Brother Jason both said, hey, we're not finishers. I said, okay, I know somebody that can do it, so. He came down yesterday, and we, he spent the time. I love spending time with my dad. Well, I like every excuse I can get. I like to spend a little bit of time with him. I don't know how it came about, but we began to talk about that last song that we sang this morning. My God is awesome. And my dad said, I can never sing that song or hear that song without thinking about the day I was in the hospital with my son Jared and he's sitting there in his bed he just had his entire face broken all of his face is wired closed skin as tight as tight can be because of the, swe the swelling in his face. His mouth is shut. It's wired shut. He can't, they can't do anything. They're having to feed him through the tube and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, with a wired shut mouth and a swollen face, he began to say, My God is all. Fills me 
when I'm broken. Drink when I've been weakened. By his stripes, I'm healed. My God is awesome. And whether or not he was tapping into a second wind, I don't know. But as I began to think about what Dad said yesterday, tears welled up in my eyes as they are this morning, but I had to go back and I had to find out, all right, you couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. You could get the tune. You could understand where he was trying to go. And then Mom, I heard Mom start singing in the video. And Let me tell you, I'm not here to pat my brother on the back. That's not what I'm here about. But I want you to understand, how about you put yourself in that place, in that hospital bed with a busted face, not knowing exactly if they're going to get everything put back just right. Not knowing what your career has in store for you going forward. Not knowing what God has in store for your life going forward. Because now, look, this has changed how you operate. You don't break your face and, and just, just go about life normally. He's still not going through things normally. But I want you to understand, something on the inside of him, even in this broken state, was able to cry out saying, God, regardless of where I'm at today, you're awesome. You're perfect. You're mighty. And you're great. There's power in your worship. You need a second wind in life? Let me tell you something, Veronica. Let's find a place to worship God. Find that favorite worship song that you have and begin just to, you may not have a radio nearby, just begin to sing. My God is awesome. He can move mountains. Keep me in the valley. Hide me from the rain. And just Try it and see if this preacher's not telling you the truth that all of a sudden when you begin to sing unto the Lord from the heart that God doesn't begin to step into your situation and into your heart at that very moment and you begin to feel peace and you begin to feel comfort come upon your heart. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to paint a, a, a rose-colored a rose picture here this morning, but I want you to understand that God wants to give us each the strength that we need. And the only way that I know exactly how to get a hold of God, the, if, if I can't do anything else, if I can't really form the words to pray saying, God, this is the situation. I need you to go and, and I need you to help me with this thing. And I need you to help. No, sometimes I can't form those words, but I can do this. Uh, amen. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Why? Because I know that my God is great. And when I begin to worship him, the Bible tells me that he inhabits the praises of his 
people. Amen. And so when we begin to lift up our voice in adoration to the Lord. Amen. That's why we sing around here. That's why we clap our hands unto the Lord. That's why we praise God with a loud voice. Amen. It's not because we're trying to be obnoxious and we're trying to get everybody to hear us. Amen. I could care less if any of you hear what I have to say to God. But I want you to understand, I love my Savior more than anything in this world. And if I am in a situation to where I need help and I need comfort. Amen. Jesus said, I will send, my father will send a comforter in my name. Amen. He's going to come and he will minister and he will help us if we will somehow say, all right, I need help today, Jesus. Amen. Whether you have the Holy Ghost or not, if you don't, let me tell you something. Amen. You need to tap into that source. Amen. That strength. Amen. That hope. That peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't believe for a second that God wants his people to wallow. And so, Penny, I don't believe for a second that God wants us to dwell in oppression. I don't believe for a second that God wants us uh, to be downcast and brokenhearted on a regular basis. Amen. Because his people, uh, according to his word, are a victorious people. Amen. I want you to consider with me Psalm chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. This poor man cried, the Bible said, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalm 30 verses 8 through 12 says this, I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, verse 10 says, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing, and thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. And verse 12 says, to the end, that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. Oh Lord my God I will give thanks unto thee forever. I will give thanks unto thee forever. Sister Reagan won't you come and get ready. Amen. I want to always learn and know and, and call upon the second wind. Amen. If I feel like I can't go another moment I can turn to Jesus and say Lord I need you today. Lord I want you to know I love you this morning. Amen. It, it, David didn't go to the Lord with petition until he had reached out in his, in his praise and his adoration. He praised the Lord. He praised the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus wants us to be strong. Isaiah, as we read a while ago, he said he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. 
He gives power to the faint. And if you don't have might, he will increase your strength. I need the help of the Lord. I need his strength today. I need the, I need the hope of the Lord. As I close this morning, I want to go to first, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Paul is exposing a situation in his life. But he realized, hey, I know where I can tap into a second wind somewhere. He said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times and that I, it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul said, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ, get this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, I need his help today. I need his strength today. I need his anointing today. It's not the will of God that we, we stay in the in under a cloud of depression, my friend. I want you to understand God's will for your life is to abide in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what he gave to us was his spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is made up of is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He wants us to understand if you need anything, just call on me. But my Bible tells me that he knows what we need and what we're going to ask before we even open our mouth. Somehow, I pray. What I'm trying to get across today is simply this. If you need something from God, how are you approaching God? Here we are at the approach situation. Jesus said, when thou prayest, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before the first petition in that prayer was made, Jesus offered up praise. 
He didn't give us that prayer so we could repeat it on a regular basis. But he gave it to us as a structure. Hey, you want to approach the throne of God? There's something about approaching his throne with praise. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We, we reverence your name, Father. We give honor to your name, Father. I fear so many times. I found myself doing this myself, so I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers this morning. Too many times in my life I found myself going to my knees in prayer. God, I need you to step into this situation, and I need you to help me understand how to sit, fix this problem. And, and God, I need you to help me lead and help me to guide my family. And, and not one time did I say, God, I want you to know I love you. How are you approaching the throne of grace? He said, come boldly. You can come boldly and offer praise. You can come boldly in adoration. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. <laughs> Can we stand this morning? I hope something that I've said today is helping somebody this morning. God wants to give you a second wind. Are you willing to tap into it this morning? Are you willing to allow the Holy Ghost to work upon your heart and your mind this morning? Can you let him begin to strengthen you in spirit and in your mind? Oh, come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord this morning. Let's call in the name of the Lord. These altars are open. If you want to come and pray, I, I, I encourage you, come on and come on and seek the face of the Lord.